This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours of music and chat on this beautiful, bright, crisp Saturday morning in September. This morning on The Bottom Line, we'll be talking to Alan Seary, accountant about the stay and spend tax credit the differences between the old and new wage subsidies, the budget and tax returns. If you've got a question, get it in to us now on the Darren Hayes text line. That's 086 306 9696. Rory Dean, Product Development Manager with Falja Ireland, will talk to us about how the hospitality industry is progressing and how it's still not too late to apply for financial assistance for the costs of putting in COVID adaptation measures. And I'll be taking a trip to Moon Coin to meet Tom Murray of Iverk Produce and see what's happening on the O'Shea's 1,500-acre farm in Piltown. But first, joining me on the phone to discuss some business stories that caught his eye over the last week is Brian Keyes, editor of the Kilkenny Paper. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, John. How are you? Any truth in the rumour that you won five million on the lottery in Kilkenny uh, during the week? Uh, no disrespect, John, but if there was any truth, we wouldn't be on this call. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd have both disappeared into the sunset, me and you. And no, lo- and no lockdown would have kept me here. For the sun. <laughs> okay, but sure, look, um, okay, so Brian Keyes denies rumours that he's a multi-billionaire, thanks to the Absolutely. lottery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But speaking of that, um, we were talking uh, before you and I about a reporter from China, and he's hit the big money, didn't he? Yeah, well, he's a former reporter now, but he's worth $58.7 billion. Wow. And he's now China's richest man. And I think we all kind of, in recent years, uh, with trade wars or dis- discussed trade wars between the US and China, we all keep an eye on kind of China's market and the economy and what's happening in Hong Kong. But this man called Zhang Shan Shan, now forgive my pronunciation. I can't correct you. No, listed his bottled water company on the Hong Kong stock market, and now he's worth $58.7 billion. As you said there earlier, he started off as a reporter, hope for us all, and um, went into construction, and in 1996, discovered bottled water yeah. as an option to make money. And <laughs> since then, he's made his billions. But interestingly enough, he's also invested, or I don't know whether formed or invested, um, a medical company that's developing a COVID-19 nasal spray vaccine. Wow. And trials over there are going very well. So, um, you know, he's, he's one certainly to look out for. The company's name is Nanfu. That's the water company. Wow. And and mm. um, a lot of people are, are searching for the old COVID vaccine. There's billions been poured into that. It'll be interesting to see, and we're all waiting with bated breath. Yeah, yeah. And you see the news stories there about countries who buy up stocks of the vaccine that doesn't technically exist now at the moment and I was surprised to see that the UK recently in the chart had bought more uh, vaccine promises for want of a better phrase than the US and the EU so you know there's a market there that 
has yet to exist there for vaccines. It's going to be fascinating who will get it and when they'll get it and you know, yeah, yeah, big effect on economies. Now, unfortunately, um, Donegal during the week joined Dublin in going into level three, and a lot of thought, uh, talk about the border and the border between Northern Ireland and Donegal, which of course um, covers three of the uh, Northern Ireland um, counties. Um, yeah. It shows the difficulty of borders, and it maybe is a harbinger of things to come with Brexit. Yeah, well, well, Brexit <laughs> just simply won't go away. And, and most of the headlines at the start of the week, anyway, was about, you know, this extensive 7,000 haulage truck, you know, delay that's going to hit in Kent and that you know, truck drivers uh, will need it. There's a virtual border in Kent where you'll need a Kent access permit to go sit in a queue for two days. And, you know, I know there's, there was talk of this project fear and, and fear mongering and all that but the reality from an Irish point of view and I'm sure a Kenny point of view for a lot of local companies is that the UK presently is a land bridge and for goods and services to be sitting in Kent for two days that originate here in you know, um, in Kenny or in Ireland in general, like, would not be good for business and, you know, we need to find a solution to it and that's one of the aspects that there is a fear of Brexit coming yeah, and um, Simon Coveney is, uh, has been very positively received. He's made a few combative uh, performances on the BBC. Yeah. He, he was in Kikenny, I, I can't remember, was it last year and so on. He was talking about, you know, we have to think new ways. Calls during the week for new routes to Europe and so on. Well, in Kikenny, that was May 2018, believe it or not. Oh, my God. It's over two years ago, how time flies. Uh, you know, it, Coveney has, has, has put together a very polished performance and, and represented the country very well and held these grounds, you'd have to say, on Andrew Marr and various BBC and ITV programmes. But, um, you know, he, he discussed the, the development of ferry routes and a major ferry route leaving Dublin to Rotterdam, I think, at the time. And, you know, kind of avoiding the UK land bridge. Now, how much... Uh, of that can be done, it would be welcome and an alternative and time frame, I wouldn't be sure how that would work, but obviously a smooth transition through the UK would be more beneficial and more probably cost-friendly and time-efficient, but, you know... But difficult when the... Yeah, difficult when the British government themselves, who are are prone a bit to gilding the lily, are kind of offering a two-day delay to get onto a boat in Dover. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No amazing way. that it's uh, May 2018. We've been talking about Brexit for so long. It's just unreal. It's unbelievable. Of course, it's gone off the, the top of the news agenda this year. But, you know, the latest sound of this week was that there was going to be um, a, a trade deal by the end of the year. And Michel Barnier said that the UK negotiating team was far more open, I think. But then, you know, it, it, it reels back it reels back again by the end of the week. So it, it, it's very difficult, and I suppose, in all negotiators and for businesses locally and nationally here to um, plan for it. You know, like we see, you know, how businesses plan and how markets are affected and it's been, are affected by it. And it's been a volatile enough week on markets between, you know, uh, a potential second wave and Brexit. Yeah, and, and in the midst of it all, some good job news in Kikenny during the week. Yeah, a, a firm called Integro has its engineering team based here in Kilkenny and they announced 50 new jobs. And Integro has a key role in the national broadband plan, which was another item on top of the news agenda before this year. Uh, and it's probably nearly more vital now than ever um, in connecting 
yeah. rural Ireland uh, with, with the National Broadband Plan. And significantly enough, uh, the managing director of the firm is a man called Jim Dial from Galmai, local yeah. man. And he'd know as much as anyone would about rural Ireland and connectivity and the shortfall there and making it all work. Um, so it's very good. They've got offices in Poland. Um, it's, it's very important for the future proof of local economy in the rural area. Yeah, very go ahead. Jobs here. Yeah, very go ahead, local entrepreneur. How, um, you know, that's really good news locally um, yeah. for the local economy. How would you characterize sentiment at the moment among the public and the business community? You'd have your finger on the pulse. I, I'd say most people are cautious and worried about what's going to come down the road. Um, you know, I think most in, in Kilkenny there's always been a kind of, I suppose, a pragmatism that we're going to have to pay this bill down the road of what's going to happen and stuff. But in the main, and I think it was referred there to on your news broadcast, I'm finding a great deal of resilience here locally. And this R rate, John, you know, the way they, yeah, yeah. they measure stuff and everyone's in fear, like Dublin's in the lockdown and now Donegal and now we're looking at major urban centres and that. But, you know, in Kilkenny here it's in the mid-20s in general. But in the urban area, it's actually five or less, which is absolutely remarkable and books the trend on urban settings that they've been talking about, you know, nationally, the government. Yeah, yeah. And also when you consider how many visitors have come to Kilkenny mm. in the past couple of months since things have opened up totally. It's, it's testament really to, to, in particular, those working in hotels and bars and restaurants and all that, that, that they've got their, they've not just kept the show on the road, that they've got it up and running and it's given us a little bit of hope, like, You've seen their announcements have come there for a Kilkenny Day um, in a couple of weeks' time as well. And, you know, looking at Kilkenomics coming back. Yeah. And, you know, it's... We it's have to look forward moment. positively. We have to, yeah, yeah. And, you know, even if in June, if we were discussing now that we're at the county final weekend. Yeah. You know, even going off the business. Like, we're schools are open among county funds. So uh, I think people are resilient. I think a lot more people are wearing masks as well. I don't know whether you've noticed that. And I think our, our, our stores and our firms locally have, you know, um, you know, COVID protocols is very good, I think. Yeah, know? and of course, um, hate to say it, folks, but Christmas isn't around too many corners, um, you know, <laughs> and a lot of discussion about it. Headlines during the week, Christmas is cancelled and so on. What's your view? Well, I saw the first Christmas ad two weeks ago, and you'd say, oh, God, <laughs> the countdown's on, and maybe that's not a bad thing. Give us something else to look forward to, you know. But, you know, you know, things like office parties and stuff like that will obviously be, you know, in jeopardy at the very least now, but for all the kids out there, yeah, that but but it's um, gonna come. yeah, but it's important the show goes on because it's hugely uh, economically important, particularly to retail. Yeah, 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 and I, you know, I, I think most people will will realise that as well, and, and will support local retail, and I think that many people do that anyway. You know, online sales are obviously there, and High Street is continuously under under threat. But I'd like to think that people will shop local and this Christmas of all Christmases um, help their local shop and, and, and people that they know and, and you know that are part of our community as well. It's, it's just absolutely vital this year of all years. Yeah, so finally, Brian, I'm getting the sense that you're pretty upbeat about it. Many challenges out there, but reasonably optimistic. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's a glass half full and the glass half empty and we all know what the better perspective is to have on things as well that, you know, you can only control what you can control and I think most people are getting on with it and trying to do their best and trying to stay healthy and keep their family healthy and 
you know, hope for better days ahead and, and that's the same in business and life in general, you know, I think. Okay, Brian, good to talk to you. That's Brian Keyes, uh, editor of the Kilkenny People newspaper, uh, telling us about the stories that caught his eye during the week in business. Coming up after the break, I'll be talking to Alan Seary about all things tax. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie the heart of it all. KCLR. KCLR indeed. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock on the bottom line, the programme for and about business. It's just gone 22 minutes after 9 o'clock. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by regular contributor to the bottom line, Alan Seary, accountant with O'Neill Foley. Uh, lots always going on during this COVID uh, crisis on the uh, uh tax, revenue, allowances, subsidies, all that stuff. And Alan is a great guide through it all. Alan, tell us about the stay and spend tax credit. Good morning, John. Yeah, so the stay and spend tax credit is coming in from next week being the 1st of October um, and lasts for about six months. And what is what it is is an encouragement for people to uh, stay uh, in hotels in Ireland, uh, and also to use restaurants in Ireland. Um, so the way it works is that you get 20% uh, back um, from your, your your hotel stays or your restaurant stays up to a maximum claim of €125 Euro a year per person or €250 Euro, uh, for a married couple. So it's quite significant um, uh, for people to avail of. It's, it's, it's like a nice discount to get on a hotel stay. Yeah, so for, to, to get the 250 discount, how much would you need to spend? You'd need to spend one two five zero. So, um, uh, so but that that can be that doesn't have to be a one a one a one time spend. It can be over a period of time, you know, for restaurants um, or for B and Bs for or hotels who are registered. Yeah, um, and how does somebody payment? Yeah, and how do you claim it, and when do you get the money back, and all that kind of stuff? Because I think there's a lot of allowances out there that people probably half know about, but they actually don't claim. Sure. Well, I suppose the the stay and spend credit requires uh, both the hotels or restaurants to do something, and also for the, the the customer taxpayer to do something. So, from the hotel or restaurant side, they need to register with Revenue as a, a stay and spend provider. Um, so that's a very seamless process, and they'll actually get a sticker that they can put up on their their door. I'm, I'm sure they can transpose onto their website as well to say that they 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 have this facility available. And that's a great selling point for hotels and if they're negotiating a, a, a race with a, with a customer, they can say, this one, we're registered for the day and spend tax credit, so whatever you pay, you'll, have, you'll actually get some back from the revenue. Yeah. Um, so from the customer's point of view, what they need to do then is to uh, keep their receipts. Uh, revenue have a, 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 a an app called the Receipts Tracker app, and you can actually photocopy or take a photo rather of the, of the uh, receipts onto your app. Um, download that into your revenue account and you, you don't need to keep the receipt thereafter then it's on revenue record. So at the end of the year then um, you can add up how many receipts that you have that qualify. Uh, the minimum that you have to spend is, is €25 Euro, um, uh, on, on either you know uh, accommodation or meals. Um, and once you once you can over €625 Euro per individual, um, you can make a full claim then for the 125 and that just comes off your tax uh, bill at the end of the year. Or like what you referenced there, if you're sending in medical expenses, you make a claim for that. You make a claim for the stay and spend tax credits as well. Yeah, so that'd be at the end of this uh, tax year. 
Yeah, so if you if you can, it's it's valid for the next six months. So if you spend, it's if you spend the full six twenty five this year, um, in the remaining three months of this year, you can you can claim it in your twenty twenty tax return. Um, or if you if you wait until next year, you can you can claim it in your twenty twenty one tax return. Yeah, so so pretty progressive and creative way. There's a lot of um, schemes have been going around. It must be quite hard to keep up with them all. It is, it is, but um, uh, you know that there are good uh, reference points, both say on websites, our own one, um, uh, and also Revenue have a good, good um, reference points for tax credits and so on. So um, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of information out there for people that are available. And what we, what I would always say to people, even that you know there aren't in the tax system per se, that you should actually um, make an effort every year to contact Revenue through my account and claim your medical expenses and things like this. You look at it, all, it all adds up. And, and like you, you'd be amazed at how many people um, actually find receipts in their door that, that actually do qualify for tax expenses or tax relief rather. Yeah, now when the when the pandemic hit back in, in March, uh, the government was very quick uh, in bringing in a, a wage subsidy scheme. Kind of un, unwritten sort of assumption underlying that was that we'd be out of COVID relatively quickly. The talk is kind of like well into next year now. Um, the subsidies have changed over. Uh, talk to us about that. The first scheme has ended. Is there What do businesses need to do? Yeah, so the first scheme has ended. Um, what businesses need to do is at the early part of the scheme, the revenue issued a flat rate subsidy of €410. Euro. Um, and that was really the reason why that was so was because it, it came in so quickly and government wants to get money out to businesses so they, they could keep on paying, paying their employees. Um, so the, the €410 Euro or, or lesser amount the revenue might have paid at that juncture mightn't have been the full amount um, or might have been an overpayment of the subsidy itself that was actually due for a particular employee. So what revenue doing now is they're contacting employers and saying, will you, will you provide us a reconciliation of what you paid in those first six eight weeks to employees by way of the subsidy and what we gave you and then if we owe you we'll give it we'll give it to you but more than likely employers probably owe revenue um uh, an amount back and they, they'll want that back and how's that process going is it relatively straightforward for businesses um or is yeah, there a so lot of tangle it does not too much tangle no revenue have issued a, a, effectively a spreadsheet out to employers or we'll be doing over the next few weeks um and uh, you know, what the data will be in there is what revenue have on file as regards what they issued uh, for subsidies and employers will be asked to put in what they paid employees for waiver subsidy and how they calculate those and then it'll the, the work out then of what the difference is and how to, who, who owes what. Yeah, so that was the old scheme. What about the new? Tell us about the new one. Yeah, so the main criteria, John, for the new scheme is that businesses will experience at least a 30% drop in turnover as a result of COVID-19 between July and December this year. And the measurement period is generally July and December last year. So you look at your turnover for the second half of this year and compare that then with your turnover for the second half of last year. And if there's a 30% drop year on year, you, you then qualify for the um, the new wage subsidy scheme. For and the period, what, is it? For the for, entire period? For, for, yeah, so, um, uh, so it runs into next year. So each month you have to review your position um, uh, and see then, am I, am I on target to stay within 30% of, of, um, uh, of, that, of, of that gap, whatever. So if, if, I'm, if, if your turnover, say, has been 30% down in September, October, November, but it's, it spikes back up again to being well up in December, mm. you, you might need to revisit your position then. So. And a very difficult uh, 
thing to do is to forecast, isn't it? Um, particularly in the current environment. The Department of Finance is pretty brutal at forecasting oftentimes. Their revenue is billions out sometimes. It is, but I, I suppose with this scheme, John, uh, you know, um, you know, in, in the guidance, um, they do have commentary there that's use your best estimate. Um, so, like, you'll know what your turnover, we're in September now, so you know what your turnover has been like for July and August, and you can get a good um, measurement of that against July and August last year. Mm. Uh, so most business will know if we're in the ballpark of a 30% reduction in turnover, and unfortunately most business will be in that space. Yeah, and just talk to us about the subsidies, the levels, and and it's it's different. I gather this time in as much as the subsidy goes to the employer. Yeah, so there's two there's two um, elements of subsidy. One is a, a direct subsidy. Um, so the direct subsidy is that if an employee is on between roughly 151 euro per week and 203 euro a week, the employer gets a flat subsidy of 151 euro for per week for that employee. Um, if the employee is on just over €203 Euro per week up to uh, €1,462 Euro per week, uh, the employer gets a flat subsidy of €203 Euro for that employee per week. Um, but in addition to that, the employer gets um, a reduced rate of employer's PRSI. So, for example, the main headline rate of, of PRSI is over 11%, just slightly over 11%, uh, whereas if they avail of this scheme the employer PRSI cost reduces to uh, half percent. So that's quite a significant saving. Yeah. Now, Alan, um, th- there's a lot of work. Presumably this has meant a lot of extra work for people in payroll departments uh, and financial controllers and finance people and so on. And all of this is coming hot on the heels or in advance of the usual autumn tax deadline. Some changes there as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the tax return deadline for paper filers, uh, the, the paying file date is still the same, it's 31st of October, but most people now uh, do what's called pay and file online, um, and by doing that they get an extension. So ordinarily the extension runs into mid, mid-November, and um, this year revenue have extended it out until the 10th of December uh, 2020. But to avail of the, the extension you have to do two things. One is you have to make a, an online return, which most people do in the self-assessment system, and also, as well, you have to bring your 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 balance of tax up to date for 2019, and you're obligated to pay primary tax for 2020 as well. But most people this year now might, might struggle to do that. Yeah. Um, so for, for for most people, they qualify for the 10th of December uh, extension once they file online and pay their balance of tax for last year online, um, and make a payment on account for this year. Um, but for people who are um, maybe in a very precarious position that they might struggle to pay last year's balance um, they really should focus on getting the tax return in on by the 31st of October Yeah, so challenging time for many people but the revenue throughout uh, this crisis have been pretty reasonable is my impression uh, They have, yeah, so the government I suppose introduced legislation to um, require revenue to, to act reasonably, uh, so one of those things was say like a warehousing scheme where debts are that's are parked for a period. Um, another another um, facility is the uh, interest on late payments. So ordinarily, interest on late interest will be charged at ten percent. So um, for some businesses, they've got a zero percent rate for a period, and then for other businesses, they've got a, a reduced rate of three percent um, for for taxes like VAT. Um, so they they, ha- they have been they have been uh, reasonable. Um, uh, and they've they've done a super effort in getting the wage subsidy scheme up and running and out there. Um, there's been a few clinks along the way, but nothing nothing unreasonable. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's uh, uh, you know it has been a very 
good effort by both the Department of Finance and then by the Revenue in implementing the, the, the wage subsidy schemes and other, other facilities there for businesses. Now, Alan, you and I, going back many years, always around this time of the year, discuss the budget and all that kind of stuff and what's going to happen and what's not and what they did and what they didn't do. Um, the, the UK budget was uh, postponed during the week. Um, do you think we'll have a budget in October in Ireland here? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there'll be any changes, John, um, but I, I think we will have a budget, if nothing else for the fact that we you know, we need to sort of say what we're going to spend next year um, and um, how much all this is costing us, unfortunately. So I, th- I think we will have a budget, and we've, I've heard no nothing to suggest um, uh, that there won't be. But that being said, as you rightly say, the, the UK government kind of pulled the plug on their budget very late in the day, so... Um, nobody knows in this weather. Yeah, now there might be some, while while no changes in income tax are expected, or indeed the government has said there won't be any, there might be some reliefs finishing and so on, so people need to keep their eye on that. Yeah, one particular um, relief there, John, uh, that's actually two for farmers, one is called consanguinity relief, and that's, that's effectively um, transfers of farms from one generation to the next, um, so uh, where a farmer is over 35, he can still get a reduced rate of stamp duty um, if he or she acquires a farm from a parent. So ordinarily, the rate of stamp duty will be 7.5%, whereas if they qualify for a consanguinous relief, the rate of stamp duty is 1%. That's scheduled to end this year, as is uh, farm consolidation relief for stamp duty purposes. Um, uh, that's effectively where, where two farmers swap lands, and if there's, if there's a bit extra paid or a bit, a bit under, it, it, it's uh, 1%. Um, uh, uh, so that, that too is scheduled to end this year. So... Um, we're hoping that they that they, they they will be extended, um, uh, but we haven't seen much on that yet. So it remains to see whether they will be extended. Yeah, well, look, all will be revealed in the coming weeks, and we look forward to uh, talking to you again, Alan, in uh, the coming weeks, probably around the time of the budget. Alan Siri, thanks very much this morning for joining us and taking us through all those issues. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. You're listening to The Bottom Line. It's just uh, coming up to 24 minutes away from 10 o'clock. John Purcell with you until then when Edward Hayden comes along and lots of great guests on his programme as usual this morning. So over the last number of weeks here on Casey Law, we've been delighted to be working with both Kilkenny and Carlow Local Enterprise offices on the Taste Local campaign, which is an initiative by the County Councils of Carlow and Kilkenny to encourage appreciation of all all the wonderful food producers, farmers, cafes, restaurants and food lovers who contribute so much, not just to the economy, but to the social and cultural life of this area. Now, Emer has been out and about meeting lots of great producers uh, and she was in Tullow yesterday in Kilkenny City during the week. And I've been out too. And recently on a glorious September afternoon, I went to Pilltown and I met with Tom Murray of Iverk Produce and he brought me to a huge field where the potato harvest was in full swing and it was really something to behold. Iverk Produce is a business started by the O'Shea family of Pilltown and as the tractors and harvesters uh, 
drove around us and you might hear them during this. I asked Tom to tell me about the business that they've built in Piltown. The O'Shea family moved to this area back in the 1830s. Um, they're farming on the banks of the River Shore since then. Um, O'Shea Farms and Ivoke Produce was started by the O'Shea brothers. Um, they've, they're now farming 1,500 acres here on the banks of the River Shore. And it's an amazing business uh, that provides a huge amount of employment locally. Yeah, so we've um, full t- we've 90 full-time staff at O'Shea Farms and then 30 seasonal staff, so they're certainly our biggest asset. And the O'Shea family thinks very highly of all their staff. And tell us about the business. Break it down. We're here in the middle of a, a potato field, but just tell us about the breadth of the business and, and what kind of stuff you're involved in. Yeah, so we, O'Shea Farms, pack and produce and pack um, potatoes and carrots for two leading supermarkets in the country. Um, we grow uh, a number of different varieties here, which is rooster, and then we grow whites, such as Maritima and Maris Piper. Also, Ivork then cited the business. They will pack... Um, anything from a potato right up to a kiwi and everything in between and they also do the food service which is the hotels, the restaurants and the local pubs with prepared produce as well. And tell us, how's the potato and carrot business these days? Potatoes of course synonymous with Ireland. Yeah, so it's great at the minute I suppose Covid has um, brought a lot of people back to their roots and traditional cooking at home. Um, obviously they couldn't eat out with restaurants being closed so certainly we've seen a, a bit of an uptake in, in um, sales for potatoes and carrots and, and, and fruit and veg in general which would lead hopefully to people eat, eating more healthy anyway definitely. People talk about mature markets and import substitution and so on. I would say potato market is pretty much a mature uh, market. Is there much room for growth? Yeah so I suppose at the moment we work with, with 30 local growers here in the southeast um, and within that we're growing our traditional varieties such as our rooster and our whites and um, even our car pinks and gold wonders but also over the last number of years we've definitely put a lot of focus on growing our salad potato market um, which is the baby potatoes that you find in the supermarkets so we're certainly looking at that to have more um, potato, salad potatoes available Irish grown locally grown salad potatoes available to the consumers and as well as that most of the fish and ship shops uh, in the country would be using imported potatoes from the UK um, and there's no reason why our own Irish growers and our own local growers can produce them for the local fish and chip shops. Importing potatoes from the UK for Irish chippers, that sounds remarkable. What size of, uh, like, how much is imported? Yeah, so totally in Ireland is about 70,000 tonnes imported annually, annually for the fish and chip trade. 70,000 tonnes? Yeah, yeah, so it's quite a bit. So there's no reason we find that we'll upskill our growers um, through knowledge transfer. Um, you know, obviously with COVID has an effect, but definitely sending our growers away to learn about how to grow these chipping varieties. And certainly they're a long way there, and they're, they're at the top of their game in, in certainly producing the more traditional varieties. And there's no reason why we can't substitute these imports for, for um, more Irish-grown produce. Definitely. Since they first came to the area in, I think it was the 1830s, the O'Shea's have grown a formidable farm themselves, well over a thousand acres. But you talked there about partner uh, producers in the area. Tell us a bit more about yeah, that relationship. Yeah, so within the area um, down here in the southeast, we've talked satellite growers so these growers are more specialized growers kind of heading for more the Wexford and the stuff which would be our early markets like Premier, Queens, Home Guards and then it'll lead back to the growers around um, Pilltown here for our roosters and, and our more traditional varieties. Yeah now um, we're at a safe distance uh, we're socially distanced but there's quite a bit of machinery uh, coming towards us can you explain a bit what's happening behind us? Yeah so today we're harvesting our rooster crop here um, so so we started our own harvest a week ago um, 
and yeah it's going really well I mean we couldn't ask for any better weather down here at the moment um, so no really delighted happy with the quality of the potatoes and certainly hopefully this weather keeps up yeah and so there are two um, very large tractors uh, just describe the machinery that we actually see here behind yeah, us yeah so we have um, Murphy's at Port Law is the contractor that's that's pulling our um, potato harvester so they're another local uh, business then we have uh, our Grimmy potato harvester which separates any of the stalks as you can, you can see and the clay from the potatoes and that then goes up into uh, our potato trailers which are then transported back to the farmyard. And for people who are listening on the radio, describe the potato harvester machine. It's about 30 or 40 feet long. Yeah, so initially the potatoes go, um, they get lifted from the ground, they get lifted nice and gently, they travel up a couple of um, webs which loosens the clay and, lo- and takes any of the, the certainly finer clay out from, um, from around the potatoes. They then they go into a cleaning unit which then um, um, knocks any of the heavier clay off and then they're gently put up into the trailer so I think in that sentence I probably mentioned gentle three or four times so certainly gentle and, and, and definitely um, care for our produce is certainly very high priority here. And two gentlemen at the back of that machine in a kind of a, a little um, uh, I don't yeah. know how you'd describe it a, a mobile sorting hub. Yeah, yeah I presume they probably would rather have been in a tent and electric picnic, but... <laughs> <laughs> they would be at this time of the year, all right. They're in the back of the harvester anyway, but... Yeah, um, yeah so they're just... Uh, anything that the harvester misses, then they're just ensuring that yeah, the potatoes the, are full the, of any debris. Those large trailers then did presumably contain tonnes of potatoes. Yeah, so each one of them trailers um, holds just over 8 tonnes of potatoes, and they're specially designed trailers to ensure, again, minimising damage and minimising risk of damage. Gentle trailers. Gentle trailers, exactly. Gentle and is tell the keyword. W- when, when you drive gently uh, and carefully... Uh, out of this huge field where do the potatoes go then and what's the route to market? Yeah so these potatoes then will travel back to the farmyard where they'll be um, quality checked um, and fully they're fully traceability traceable from um, planting all the way up to, to packing anyway but the, the quality control is definitely a huge aspect to it. Um, from that then they would be put away into storage which the, these potatoes could potentially be still in storage next August um, before they get packed. And you mentioned also moving on from the potatoes and carrots the other produce that's produced through Iverk. Tell us a bit about that. Sorry, say that again? Uh, the other produce that's produced, you know, that Iverk oh, does. Yeah, so Iverk then produces a lot of fruit and veg um, for, or not produces, but certainly packs a lot of fruit and veg for, um, for uh, again, local re- or local supermarkets and local shops. Um, and also another sister company that, that um, O'Shea's have is Meadow Fresh Foods, which is down in Tallow in County Waterford. So tal- they produce... Um, uh, a peel and pack um, prepared veg for restaurants and hotels. So the whole theme of the campaign that the local uh, authorities in Kilkenny and Carlow are operating is taste local and support local producers and so on. How important is that for a large company like this in South Kilkenny to receive the support of local people? Yeah, so definitely. Like I mean, as I mentioned to you, like the, the staff that we're employing, they're all local and they're our biggest assets. So I mean, certainly there's a big local aspect, and, and certainly O'Shea is in the community, and and every farmer in the community is definitely supporting local jobs and, and um, yeah, they're definitely a huge asset to, uh, to the area. Tom Murray there of O'Shea's Farms and Iverk Produce in Piltown and a fascinating visit to the O'Shea's 1,500-acre farm. Tom's a man who's passionate about his potatoes and he's an agronomist by trade. Really interesting uh, visit for me there. All part of the Taste Local uh, campaign, which, as I said, we're undertaking with Carlo and Kilkenny uh, local enterprise offices. Now, we spoke earlier in the programme about tourism and uh, 
the challenges facing tourism and the hospitality industry in what, what is a very difficult year for all business and indeed all of the population. I'm joined on the line by Rory Dean, who's Product Development Manager at Falcha Ireland. Good morning, Rory. Good morning, John. How are you? And how's everybody in tourism these days? Tough times. It is. Uh, at, it's it's tough times. All right, John. It's uh, it's a very it's a very challenging environment for tourism and hospitality businesses. Um, you know, we we published research this week. In fact, that uh, took a, took the pulse of of what's happened over the last number of months. And um, you know, of the businesses we surveyed, about sixty one percent had had reopened since March, which meant that nearly forty percent of tourism hospitality businesses didn't open this year and. While July and August, I think, was better than expected uh, nationally, but, you know, it was really fishing in a much smaller pool. You know, we, we can't replace 9 million overseas visitors. And although the, the domestic staycations uh, were up and were went better than expected, it's still, it's still very challenging. And, um, you know, we'd have concerns for the industry heading into the, into the off-season, into the winter months. Yeah, and our focus would be on, on helping those businesses survive now. You know, through things like stay and spend and, and through the adaptation fund. Yeah, we talked about um, stay and spend earlier on with Alan Siri, accountant, and he explained the mechanics of it. Are you mm. optimistic about that um, that scheme? Uh, well, we would. It's, it's a very new initiative. It's, it's, it's new thinking. It hasn't been done before. Um, we're we're going to be putting our shoulders to the wheel behind that scheme with a, with a promotional campaign to, to get awareness out there and, and encourage people to use it. You know, it's uh, it's it's simple enough. Uh, uh, you you go to the, a qualifying business, or a hotel, or a, or a dine-in restaurant. Uh, you keep your receipts. You you upload them on that the app tracker uh, that Alan was talking about earlier and claim your, your 125 or 250 if you're a married couple, you know, and for businesses, it's just about getting registered so that they can show their visitors that uh, they're, they're a qualifying business. So, you know, it's, uh, it's about getting everybody involved and, and supporting the tourism and hospitality industry now when, when they need it most, which is over the next six months. Yeah, now you talked about how sixty uh, percent have opened, and of course we can't forget about the forty percent who are still challenged yeah. and and remain closed. Mm. But um, hospitality and tourism businesses have been doing huge adaptability. Um, I visited the Pembroke Hotel recently. We had a report on the program about all the innovations that they've bringing in, br- brought in. Necessity, the mother of invention, and some great um, innovation taking place as well. There is, yeah. Um kind of technology that you featured for the Pembroke Hotel um, is really good, you know, keyless and using using apps, so those kind of investments are, are exactly what we want to see uh, as people try and or as businesses try and adapt their businesses for, for, the, new, for the new normal, as they say, you know, things like like um, check-in machines in hotel receptions that you typically see in airports or cinemas, you know, that, that kind of investment might work or any kind of minor works to a business such as refurbishing um, things we see like the, the perspex screens and signage and so on, that kind, of, uh, that kind of thing is eligible. But we've seen some things coming through in the adaptation fund which shows that businesses are, are thinking... Uh, thinking for in the in the new environment, we had an example of um, you know a business that converted a shed into an ice cream parlor during the summer months and was able to squeeze more revenue that way. And another one that converted a lean-to kind of that wasn't doing anything at the side um, into into a coffee dock. And again, you know that was 
getting more revenue into the business. So I think as as we look into the into the winter months, um, it's going to be more about dining outdoors and uh, you know uh, socialising outdoors. So you know what can businesses do there to facilitate that? Have you an outdoor space that could be converted and used for for outdoor dining? You know, heating, lighting, painting, all those adaptations that you might need. You know, they 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 would be eligible under this fund. So we encourage businesses to look at those and get onto the website, website our website and, and see if, if they can qualify for the grant. Okay, well we're talking to Rory Dean who's Product Development Manager at Fault Ireland. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. We're going to take a quick break uh, and we'll be back to talk in detail with Rory about how you can apply for this COVID-19 adaptation fund. At the heart of it all. At the heart of it all. KCLR. The bottom line, the programme for and about business. John Purcell with you until 10 o'clock. I'm joined on the line by Rory Dean, who's Product Development Manager at Fault Ireland. We were speaking uh, before the break about all the adaptations uh, that businesses have undergone, whether it's uh, putting in screens or getting used to putting out sanitizers and so on. Rory, you've got uh, the COVID-19 Adaptation Fund. Tell mm. us about this and what the fund is, uh, first of all. Okay, well, well, simply put, it, it's a fund to contribute to those adaptation costs uh, facing and that are tourism businesses uh, in, in, in reopening. So I suppose we have a, a, a three-step approach when, when it came to reopening as, as the restrictions were eased at the start of the summer. We had the guidelines for reopening, so sector-specific guidelines for various categories trying to, I suppose, uh, interpret and, and support businesses uh, in, in the new uh, in the new environment. And then there was the Voyage Ireland Safety Charter, which is an initiative to, to give consumers confidence to go into these businesses and know that the staff there have been trained in, in hygiene and in uh, infection control protocols and so on. And the third leg of then is, is the Adaptation Fund, which is those physical adaptations and how we can provide a grant and provide a contribution to the cost for adopting those, in, adopting the premises, you know, for for visitors and there's two uh, strands in, in the to that. Department. Looking at the documentation, mm. two strands: capital costs, which, as I understand it, are things like screens and new hardware, so to speak, and then funding for the ongoing stuff like consumables and so on. Yeah, it is primarily a capital scheme, so it's, it's a capital funding from governments, which should be spent for obviously on, on capital purposes. So the majority of the fund is is for those capital outlays for for the adaptations. A small portion of the budget was secured for businesses who don't have a fixed premises. So, you know, activity operators who may provide uh, you know, surf schools or um, equipment rental and things like that and may, may not have a fixed premises. So for those, there is a strand for, for some consumable costs, but really the scheme is about those adaptations to, to restaurants, hotels, and fixed premises and so, uh, in, in the various categories of businesses, visitor attractions and so on. Now, many of those businesses that you described who have reopened, the 60% of them, um, have already implemented all this stuff. If they haven't um, if they haven't claimed or submitted an application to the fund, are they too late? No, not at all. It's not too late. Um, if, if you made those adaptations over the summer or you're looking to make them coming into the winter, um, you're, you could be eligible for the grant. Uh, we, in terms of applying, we, we need evidence, of course, that you're going to do the work or that you've done the work, and that's part of the application process. But if, if that's the case, um, you know, have a look on the website, 
read about the scheme. Uh, it's all there in the guidelines, and and put in an application um, if if uh, if you think you're eligible. That's, and what, that's what's the, the range of funding available, Rory? So um, there's a sliding scale, uh, which is based on you know our our estimates of what what these businesses might require in, in terms of adaptations. Um, so for larger businesses, uh, such as hotels and attractions, um, the top is, is 15,000 down to 500 euros for uh, for businesses who may not incur as much cost in, in adopting their business. So there's a sliding scale um, and depends on the, on the category of business and, uh, you know, the, the the volume of visitors that would come through your business. So, oh. again, that's on the webpage there. Okay, Rory, so if somebody's sitting there and they've just said, gosh, maybe it's one thing that slipped through the through the to-do list over the months of the busy months of reopening, um, how should they go about making an application? Time is limited, so they need to get a move on. Yeah, so, uh, well, the current deadline is, is the 8th of October, but we are looking, we are looking at that, and... Um, you know that that is under review as, as things stand. However, uh, you know, you wouldn't waste any time. So hop onto the website falljarn.ie to the COVID page, COVID nineteen adaptations one page, and there's a how to apply section. And for businesses who, who may not have engaged with us previously, uh, there's a very simple form called the pre eligibility check. Just fill that in. That'll come into us. We can sign you up for our online trade portal and get the application out to you through that way. So the first thing I'd say is, is read the guidelines, just familiarise yourself with the scheme if you're a, a business that in, interested, and then uh, fill out that pre-eligibility check. Um, if you've already a trade portal account with us, chances are the form has already been allocated for you, and just go in there under available funding. Uh, the application form could be there. If not, again, you could contact us at Forge Ireland, and we'll ensure we can get the application form into your trade portal account. Okay, Rory, thank you very much indeed. That's Rory Dean, who's Product Development Manager at Falch Ireland. Thanks, Rory. Thanks, John. Okay, we're going to leave it there for the morning. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for on the bottom line. Don't forget, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email us at the bottom line at kclaura96fm.com or if you'd like to listen back to the show or any episode of The Bottom Line, just search for The Bottom Line on KCLaura on any podcast platform. Thanks to all our guests uh, this morning, Brian Keyes, Alan Seary, Tom Murray and Rory Dean. We'll be back next Saturday just after the nine o'clock news with more uh, stories about business and the economy. Do stay tuned. Edward Hayden up next. But until next Saturday, just after nine, have yourself a nice weekend, a good week, and we'll talk to you soon. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small.